0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Hey, if you got a Bible, going to open up to Acts chapter eleven. We'll be here in just a minute. Um, uh, I'm excited to be able to dive back into this study again. Uh, as we talk about the purpose of a local church, I told you guys last week that, man, for whatever reason, just the last few weeks uh, that that term "local church" has been ringing in my ears. what does it mean? And uh, so, what we know is that for sure, God has absolutely, beyond any shadow of a doubt, planted us in Harvest Alabama with purpose. God has us meeting here for a reason. And that one of the biggest reasons is, is that we would reach this community, reach our community. Last week we said, man, we've got to be in the community. But not just in the community, but intentionally in the community. Remember that distinction from last week? So just, It's not just being around people from our community. It's about being around them with intentionality of the purpose of sharing the gospel, them looking to meet others' needs. We talked about that, having gospel conversations. We saw that in the text last week. That's what's going on 2,000 years ago in the early church in Jerusalem. Now, well, we need to recognize. I told you guys last week. I was going to talk about what it means to be a local church. So I'm going to talk about this week what it doesn't mean. Right? As much as we see that this 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 early church is localness, okay. As much as we see their localness, we also see, as we move through the Book of Acts, we see a new aspect of being a local church that goes beyond our community. We see a broad view of the world um, and, the, and the the expansion of God's kingdom, not only in the community where God plants them, but also around the world. And so today, as, as we keep scrolling through the book of Acts, we're going to move from chapter 11 all the way through chapter 14. So that'll be fun. And um, But we're going to see three ways that this first century church engaged the world around them. All right, um, Chapter 11, verse 27 is where we're going to be. So I'm going to read uh, just four verses. I'm going to pray, and then we'll come back and talk. Uh, This is what the Word of the Lord says. In those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them was named Agabus. Uh, Parents of young, like, anybody's pregnant in the room, there's a great name it's a boy, Agabus, um, stood up and and also if your name is Agabus, I apologize. Um, Predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. Um, Each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. Let's pray together. Uh, God, I do thank you, uh, God, for the opportunity to partner in your mission. And, God, um, you could do it without us, but, God, you choose for whatever reason to use sinful human beings, uh, God, groups of sinful human beings called churches uh, to carry out your mission in the world. And so, Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to partner with you. God, we pray uh, for clarity as we move forward. God, you continue to give us clarity of what it looks like for us at Lindsay Lane East uh, to reach the nations for you. Um, God, we pray for wisdom in all of our decision-making God today, as we open up your word and we see these truths today, God, I pray that you would begin to do a work in our hearts. Um, God, that everybody who calls Lindsay Lane East home would, would buy into what we're going to talk about today. And God, that it, we would have one mind and, and, and be together in this. And so God, we trust you with this. Um, and we, we ask you to teach us to know you through the text today and that you would be with us. It's in Jesus name. I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so God has planted us right here in Harvest. Uh, We want to be faithful to take care of our community, but the word local does not mean that we're to focus all of our attention here and nowhere else. In fact, one of the coolest things about being a local church is that we get to partner with other local churches and other movements that are going on around the world, and that's the first thing that we're going to see. Point number one for you note-takers, I know you're out there. Jot this down, number one. God's called us to be a giving church. The giving church. So by this point in the story, if you're following through the book of Acts, what you're going to see, uh, we said last week that the movement of the Christian movement in the text we looked at last week was pretty much in Jerusalem. Like that was the bulk of where it was. Some things begin to change in chapters eight and nine, some persecution comes, this church begins to spread from there. However, what we know is that one booming city called Antioch, becomes the hub for Christian the Christian movement in the first and second centuries. Um, this was a large metropolis in the, in the Roman world, and it gave early Christians an opportunity because it was such a booming city, it gave them opportunities to quickly spread the gospel to places um, that it had not been reached yet. So in the text I read, um, this Agabus guy comes down and predicts that this famine is coming. What we actually know from history is that it does. Uh, Somewhere between 45 and 48 A.D., there is a bad famine that hits the Judean area, which would have included Jerusalem. And so um, we know that during that time, just from history, that food and money were being donated to these areas. But here in Acts chapter 11, we see that the believers in Antioch, the church at Antioch, makes plans to send funds to them as well. And who gets delegated to carry it? Two dudes, Saul and Barnabas. These two guys, you're going to hear about them a lot today. But they were the ones delegated to carry the money to Jerusalem, to the church there, to the elders there for distribution. Now, this is not the only time we see money collected in the New Testament for a cause uh, in the early church. And so on a probably separate occasion, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians sixteen one through 4. Now about the collection for the saints, do the same as I have instructed the Galatian churches. On the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping with how he is prospering, so that no collections would be when I come. When I arrive, I will send with letters those you recommend to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it's suitable for me to go as well, they will travel with me. Again, gifts are being given to the Jerusalem church, to the elders, to be distributed. There's also evidence that churches gave uh, not only to help, like, with uh, difficulties and with the poor and with uh, famine, but they also gave to help missionaries and church planters like Paul. Paul tells the church at Philippi in Philippians four fifteen and 16, And you, Philippians, know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. So they're giving to help Paul as he's going around planting churches around the known world. And apparently Paul was dealing in some hefty quantities. 2 Corinthians eight twenty and 21. We're taking this precaution so that no one will criticize us about this large sum that we're administering. Instead, we're giving careful thought to do what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before people. You see, the earliest church, they clearly gave to missions funds as they saw fit. Sometimes to go to the poor, sometimes to go uh, to other areas in need, other times to help pay for a church planner's cost so that he can start new works and new locations. This is a very there's a very clear focus of these early believers, not just on their community, but on the world around them. You see this, right? Their money is going to help. The world around them. They wanted to see the kingdom expand in their community for sure, but also they took part in kingdom expansion efforts in other places too. It wasn't either or for them. It was both. In regards to giving, as a church, we've decided to make, to take up one big missions offering per year, and it's coming up in two weeks. (laughs) Um, In the back of the seats in front of you, not now, but then. There may be some still lingering, but uh, will be these envelopes. Um, Give to go is what we're calling it. Um, It's coming up in two weeks, October 23rd. Be considering what you may give, because the money that comes in will help fund our mission efforts for 2023, but parts of it will also go directly towards missionaries and church planners alike, just like we see in these scripture passages. Now here's what I know for some reason today pastors catch flack for talking about money and giving but you can it's a biblical thing right so I get I get to talk about it <laughs> cuz I'm giving too we're in this together together we can see God do some really cool things through our faithfulness to give now here's what you need to know last October we did this and you guys sacrificially gave in a way that that made me Say Second Corinthians eight twenty through twenty one. <laughs> wow, we're trying to be careful with this because this was more money than we expected. You guys gave twenty over twenty one thousand five hundred dollars into low and in to help us do missions last year, and that was more than I expected to have never done it before. Like I was so we did so we tried to carefully we tried to give careful thought as Paul said in Second Corinthians eight twenty one 21, um, to, to do what is right. With the money, so I want to share with you just some of those things, um, just quickly. Okay, one of those we talked about House of Harvest last week. What I didn't tell you is that about six to seven percent of our of our offering from last year went directly to help fund House of Harvest, and so we wrote them a check just to help them with some of their needs, to help them get the food in that's not donated that they have to purchase, and to help them with overhead and all those things because we believe in what they do. We also gave about 7% uh, to what we call our Limestone Baptist Association, which is a, a nerdy way of saying it's a partnership of churches in Limestone County. Even though we're in Madison, we're part of Lindsay Lane, Maine, which is in Athens. Um, but we're part of an association of churches of 36 churches who have partnered together uh, theologically and practically to reach the county for the glory of God and the good of man. And so uh, we gave about 7% of the offering to that. Um, We also decided to give 30% of our total missions giving to two organizations. The first one is called the North American Mission Board. And so we gave 13% of the money that came in in October of last year. This year we wrote a check to them in April. Um, and we send it to the North American mission board they 're an organization through the Southern Baptist convention that and that that money that 's thirteen percent went directly into the hands of church planners and missionaries all around the North America continent that was a weird way to say it all around North America, okay. 13% went to that. 17% we decided to give to, inter, to the International Mission Board, which again, through the Southern Baptist Convention, is a is a training ground for missionaries to be sent all around the world. And so 17% of your giving goes directly into the hands of missionaries that are not reaching North America, but the other parts. And a portion of that is also going into the hands of those who are trying their best to reach unreached peoples. And so that's where a lot of the money has gone. So I want to... I I want to commend us as a church to say we've been a giving church, but like it's an ongoing thing, and so i want to, I would ask you to consider what you might give towards this gift to go offering so that we can do that and more next year uh, so we can give so it's not just this financial giving though, right like it's really cool to see what God's done through our faithfulness to give here as a church and what we're seeing in the first century church going on here in Antioch, but can we all admit? Now, if you're in a tough spot, financially, this may not be the case. Um, but for a lot of people today, it's easier to to give money than it is to do something for somebody. We find that out oftentimes uh, when we're trying to do stuff for here around here. man, I, I'm busy, I got stuff going on. I can't help, but I can give money. Now, <laughs> that's what we see here too. It's really easy for us as a church to send money, in, and it's going to take money to do to, to reach the world. It's going to take money, but it's also going to take people, amen? And so what we've got to do as a church is not just be willing to give financially, but that we would be willing to give people. That's what's going on here in the first century. I want to show you, number two is this. We need to be a sending church. Acts 13, 1 through 3. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas... Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. As already said, the church at Antioch becomes a really important player in these early movements of the gospel as it spreads in the first century. And this moment is the moment at which it starts. And you need to see this, because right now there's a worship service going on in Antioch in this story that's sketchy. Let's be straight with you. This list, and we don't have time for this, but these five guys that they mentioned here that are in this worship service, it's a sketchy bunch. Like there's no reason these five dudes should be in a room together without fighting. They're from different countries. They're from different political spheres. One of them's the a friend of Herod the Tetrarch who was kind of a dirtbag like, to the Christians. Like, There's a lot going on there. That's a sermon for another day. But when this multi-ethnic group of church leaders in Antioch begin to worship and fast, they're spanning political and socioeconomic spectrum. But through their worship and fasting, they commit to send out two men for the task that God has called them to, Saul and Barnabas. Now Saul here is the same guy that we call Paul. If you're familiar, I've already used Paul's name a couple times too. It's the same guy we call Paul. Oftentimes people think that God changed his name when he was saved on the road to Damascus in Acts 9. That's probably not the case. We don't see that spelled out in Scripture. There's no mention of a name change, and he's still called Saul many times after his conversion. What's more likely is that he was given a name by his mama, Saul, named after the first king of Israel. That was his Hebrew name. And because he was also a Roman citizen, he probably had a common Greek name as well, just like Paul. So when we're reading about Saul here, you got to remember, this is not some different guy. This is the guy who wrote most of the New Testament and led a team of people who planted churches all over the known world. That's the guy who's being sent out. And this is the moment that starts it all. And you and I get to be witnesses to it as we read the scriptures. That gets my blood pumping. It's this moment in which the church trusted the Lord enough to send out Paul and Barnabas to do a really cool work. And honestly, this is where the rubber meets the road for a local church. Can I be honest with you? I hate the thought of sending people out. Because here's what I've learned about it. God usually sends your best people. (laughs) Saul and Barnabas were not like, they weren't just like coasting. They were dudes who were getting after it. When God has called when God calls someone from your church to do something big in another location, it's most often somebody who's very connected to the ongoing life of the church. Paul and Barnabas were probably great assets to the ministry in Antioch. Barnabas was probably leading several ministries. He probably oversaw the greeting team and managed the team of decision counselors and oversaw the first time guest process. He was the one calling the guests, going, Hey, I hope you had a great time. Do you answer any questions? Do you have anything? Like that's probably him, just based on his personality. Saul was probably preaching with some regularity, ministering to people in the hospitals, and also frustrating a lot of church members because he was really blunt, but loving. We don't know what they did, but we know that it would have not have been easy to send them out. But listen, these early believers in Antioch knew something beautiful. Beautiful. What they knew is that we're not getting rid of Saul and Barnabas. In fact, we are sending them out to become an arm of our church into a new area. It's a beautiful principle of the church that we've got to begin to grasp here. Saul and Barnabas went arm of the church in Antioch that was going to reach the world for the kingdom. Believers in Antioch clearly had a passion for the world. We've seen that. So how were they going to continue to reach their community well and also reach out to the outside world? How were they going to engage unreached peoples around the world? How were they going to do this and that? They understood it. Let's send out people from here. They grasped it. We can't all go, but some of us can. This is what we're supposed to do as the church. And in some little ways, it's what we have done. I want to tell you about some of those. Back in April of 2020, y'all remember that time? It was a weird time. (laughs) But in April of 2020, we sent out a guy that we called our campus coordinator here, Noah Hicks. Noah wore a lot of hats here. He came as an intern, and we made him do a bunch of dumb videos. But then he worked his way into a a more consistent role. We still made him do dumb videos, but he married Jesse and and we sent him out of our church to minister to youth in the West Limestone area. We commissioned him out of this place, along with the other churches that he had been in in his past. But now they've planted a church near the river. It's close to the Owens community. God's called him to do that, and he. So I know he's he's partnered with First Baptist Church to do that. But like I still consider we got an arm in that community because we've invested in Noah. And Jesse. And Tom, Tom Tom, and Terry could testify to the fact, hey, it was easy to send out Noah and Jesse. They didn't do anything here. They didn't help out in the kids' building every Sunday, both services. None of that. And it was very hard to send them out. We did. And in June of that same year, we sent the Bolliers out of here to go lead a student ministry to another church in Limestone County, East Highland. Patrick will tell you, he lost a singer on the stage. It was difficult to send them out, but we did it. Back in August, we laid hands on Samuel and Chesney as they were sent out on a short missionary journey to Zambia. They came back, so... I mean, we missed them. We're on live stream. We missed you guys. Um, but, like, that's still a big deal because it's what churches do. We praise believers that God would use us to impact the world. And the way that he most often answers that is not, not by calling the entire church to pick up and move, but for some of us to do that very thing. To go as an extended arm of our church into a different location. William Carey, who became a missionary to India in 1793, famously told his pastor friend Andrew Fuller, who stayed back, in the, stayed back at home, he said, I'll go down into the pit if you'll hold the ropes. You see, this idea of repelling down into a pit is a great analogy. Not all of us can rappel down by going into other places, but some of us have to. We have to send churches into other places, or people into other places. And those of us who stay get to hold the rope through prayer and support. God's going to provide many opportunities for us to go on short-term journeys for the kingdom, but I'm just crazy enough to believe that God will call some of us to long-term tasks like pastoral ministry here in the States, to be a church planner here and around the world, missionary work in unreached people groups everywhere in between. And will it be difficult? Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it as a pastor. God will oftentimes call leaders from our midst, people who are vital to the ministry of the work God is doing here, but God will provide. I know that. When Barnabas left, somebody else got to make the guest phone calls. When Saul left, somebody else got to preach. Do you see this? We want to send people out, and we want to continue to raise up new leaders to fill their spot. So we need to begin if you haven't already, to begin to pray the big, scary prayer that God would call people out of our church to serve him and other places. That he would call our families. He would call our teenagers. And that he would call our children. To one day reach those who are currently unreached. It's hard to relive the emotion of this twice. Y'all know that, right? It's always worse the second time. Um, But this has got to be our prayer. Our prayer must be, God, call our families, call our teens, call our children, call my children to this task it's a worthy prayer now we got through that if we're going to be a local church we got to be a giving church we've got to be a sending church as hard as that can be sometimes but there's at least one more point To be made from the book of Acts here, it's this. We need to be a planting church. Acts 14, verse 21. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now, this part of the early church narrative is the outcome of what we just read in chapter 13. Saul and Barnabas are sent out of the church in Antioch, and they travel to many places. If you've got one of those Bibles with maps in the back, you can turn there. It's nuts. Dude didn't have a plane. He didn't have an Uber He didn't have a car. He went from here to here. And I know it doesn't look that impressive. (laughs) It's a long way. Saul and Barnabas went from Antioch, which is right here. And they traveled all the way, walking by two seas, all the way to where God called them to. Sometimes they took boats. You can see all that. They traveled a long way, and they traveled to those many places to proclaim the gospel. And we have no idea how many people trusted in Christ through the ministry of these sent ones. But I can ballpark it. You ready? For you financial people in the room, it was a bunch. That's an accurate assessment. It was a bunch. Because what we know is that lives are being changed. The story is there in the book of Acts. But think about it for a moment. Here's a group of people in Antioch worshiping God for what he's doing in their community. And then they get a burden for the world around them. And how many people leave? How many people? 30, 40, 100, 1,000? 1, thousand, two. Two people leave their body, leave this body to go do what God's called them to do. They send them out. And people from all over the known world are being saved from their sins because of the faithfulness of a church on the other side of the known world. Because Antioch had the faithfulness to send out people I don't, that's so cool to me. Would God have saved them some other way? He he could have sent somebody else. But he sent Saul and Barnabas from Antioch. But here's what you got to know. Sharing the gospel was not the end goal for these missionaries. And missionaries around the world are going to agree. I'm going to make some statements here in a second that's going to make some of you think, he hates missionaries. I don't. In fact, missionaries would agree with the statements I'm about to make. Okay, hang with me. You see, Saul and Barnabas probably baptized thousands of people, but the salvation of that many people still was not the end goal for them. They were, not, they were sent out not to go into cities to preach the gospel, baptize those who responded and move on. They were not sent to multiply disciples. They were sent out to multiply churches to see pockets of people in cities all over the world simply doing what they were doing in Antioch. That's all they were trying to do. You see that in the text I read. It says that they preached the gospel, they strengthened the disciples, and then they appointed elders. Go back to the... That's why you guys, you got to attend with us because we're moving through stuff that ties together, okay? We did that whole biblical leadership study for four weeks, and at the end of that, the culmination of that was seeing what the role of elders are in the church, The term elder, as we saw, it's the leaders in the church, overseers, pastors. Those are all synonymous terms in the Bible. And so these missionaries were not through in an area until there was a thriving church there. But notice what happened. Then they just moved on. Now, I know God can call a missionary to a particular people group and have them stay in the location for a long period of time, and it's honoring to God. But those missionaries understand something that you and I need to understand is that God's plan A for the discipleship of humans is not missionaries. The long-term answer for the lostness of a highly Muslim area around the world with 0% Christians living in it is not missionaries. It's the local church. It's the local church. Yes, it's going to take somebody to go there. Missionary, okay? <laughs> yes, It's going to take someone going there, immersing themselves in the community, speaking the gospel in culturally relevant ways to see people come to know Jesus. But those new believers who are now full of the Spirit don't need a missionary then. What do they need? They need what you and I have a local church where they can grow and thrive and live on mission. This is important to grasp. For a long time, churches got distracted by meeting physical needs, and yes, that can be an avenue to which we work towards this. But we lost our focus on making sure that we were planning churches that can thrive and grow for generations and generations to come. I'm praising God that there's been a return to that. We as a church here at East, we want to find ways that we can help church planners who are doing good works. I want to tell you about a couple of ways that we a couple of things we're looking for, and I told you these same two things last October. So it's going to frustrate some of you that I'm going to fix and tell you the exact same thing, but I'm going to tell you the process that we're going through. Okay, remember, Paul said, "Carefully, carefully do what is right." Okay, we want to find a we want to find a church planner partnership on two levels. One is we want to find one in the state of Alabama. That's that's a that's a. What we'll call an underreached area in Alabama. Places where places where there there aren't as many thriving churches and places where population may be more dense and there's a need for a growing work. And so uh, me and Kelly along with the Normans have been talking with church planners. We've talked with three church planners so far. And I can't tell you the whole story, but the first two, God confirmed in our heart and mind that's not the direction we needed to go. Great church planners doing awesome things pray that they do that it continues to go well but god just through the spirit working in all four of us helped us see that this is not the path we need to take so we're talking with a third now the normans haven't even met with them um yet i've had two conversations with the guy but um but i'm praying that this is who god would lead us to, to you know he's in montgomery Um, in a a very inner city, low-income area. Some incredible things that God's already using him to do there. It's his hometown. He's come home to plant a church where he grew up. Really, really cool. And so we're praying that God, that, that this is the one. We're praying that this is it, but I don't know yet. So cliffhanger, dot, dot, dot. second thing we're looking for is that we're looking for somebody who's doing this on an international level. Somebody who is uh, not just in another country meeting a physical need—they may be doing that—but we're looking for somebody who is somewhere in an unreached area who's doing, who's working to see a church planted among a person. When I say unreached, that means little to no, like you can't even find a Christian in that people group. That's when I say unreached, and that's what we're. And we've talked to several of them, and we're still praying that God would give us clarity of what that looks like so I wanted to give you that update before I ask you to give again, to give to go, that we're still working through that process. And I fully believe, I'm confident in the Lord that he'll answer these questions for us and that early in 2023, we'll be able to come to you with pictures and stories about who God has led us to partner with as a church. This is where we are in the process. But the reason we want to do that, yes, we believe that church planning is God's plan A for discipleship, but I also want you guys and me to get around church planners that are doing it in different contexts because two things. I'm doing a lot of two things today. But I believe God wants to use our, uh, God wants to use our relationship with a church planner to do two things here. One is, we want to pray that God will continue to open doors to plant new campuses of Lindsey Lane in, in Limestone County in North Alabama. Like I'm, And again, it's not about expanding the name of Lindsay Lane. It's that we feel like God's doing something great among the free campuses that we have now. And we believe that there are underserved areas in our county that need a good and thriving church. And we want to be the ones to go there and do it, if not somebody else. And we're so a, a specific thing you'd be praying for. One of the areas that God's laid on our heart is a highly Hispanic area. And so I'm trying to learn Spanish. It's not going well. And so what we're trying to do is actually to learn. We're actually trying to, we're trying to find a, uh, an actual Hispanic uh, pastor who can go into these areas with us. He knows the culture. He knows who they are. It's not me butchering the fire out of, the, of Spanish. Like it's, it's somebody who knows the language who can go in as our pastor of the new campus. We're partnering with a church in Birmingham that's got a pipeline of, of Hispanic pastors, but it's run dry. And we're next in line. <laughs> so pray that God would fill that pipeline and that within that year process that we can begin to meet uh, with with him and, and can see a, a Spanish-speaking work here in Limestone County uh, for the glory of God and the good of man. Um, but there's a, we, we, we want to pray that God would give us an opportunity to launch in any other community that needs a church like Lindsay Lane East, who's focused on loving its community well and engaging the nations through sending. We don't care about expanding the name of Lindsay Lane. We want to see kingdom expansion. More believers, more churches. Amen? I hope we all agree on that. But secondly... And this one's scarier because we don't know yet. But like as a campus of Lindsay Lane, we want to take part in that and we'll be able to take the lead on some of those type things. That's going to be really cool. But I'm also praying through what would it look like for us to plan a church like. Just us, you know what I mean? Like what would it take? What would it look like for us here in the next few years to be able to send a group of people out of this community to another state or to another community to go and to begin a work there? But here's what we know: they don't happen without a pastor. <laughs> they don't happen without a church planner. And so that's what we're praying. That's, uh, so I'm going to give you a ton of prayers here in a minute. But another prayer to add to your list is that God, over the next few years, will begin to call up a young man, an old man, or a middle man to trust God enough to step out and become a pastor, a church planner, so that we so we can do what God has, what I believe God has for us in the future. And those are scary prayers to begin to pray. Like what if it's, what if it's my child? What if it's your child? What if it's our? What if it's a small group leader? What if it's a, a greeter? What if it's all these leaders in our church? What if it's some of you? We got to be faithful to send them out. So here's what we're gonna do. It's gonna be the a little different invitation than what we're used to. But I want us to pray some very specific things at a church, and I'm going to give them to you. First thing, I've already given you a bunch, but we'll pretend like this is the first one. Pray that we might be a giving church who's sacrificial with the funds God has given to each one of us. That we would give to the effort of making disciples here in North Alabama, but also that we would give towards missions that are reaching further than here. Pray that our Give to Go offering this year would be great. Second. Pray that we would be a sending church. Pray that God would even now, today, this week, this year, begin to call people out to serve him in other areas. Pray that they would be willing to step out of their comfort zones and go where God is leading them, and God give us the strength to let them go. And third, pray that we would be a planting church. Pray that God would allow us to multiply ourselves somehow in the next few years, whether through a new campus or through a whole new work somewhere else entirely. And that's going to take the giving and the sending piece. All of it's working together. You see that, right? And lastly, I ask that you search your own heart today. If you have issues of ongoing sin in your life that you are not repenting of, know this, that's affecting your life. It's affecting your family. It's affecting your home. And hear me when I say this with love and care. It affects your church family. You stubbed your toe going to the bathroom before? It sends a pain, not just in your toe, but through every... What are the things, not veins? Nerves in your body. Thanks, Patrick. Right? And so when 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 we're not where we need to be in our church family, it's affecting what we do. We're in this together. So I'm asking all of us today, and in my own heart too, that we need to repent today of any sin that we're committing, and ask that God help us to be obedient to Him no matter the cost. Because <laughs> if we're going to do these crazy big things, it's going to take all of us together. And today, if you've not yet committed your life to follow Jesus and and joined up with this crazy body of believers, to come arm in arm with us that take on satan and hell around the world i mean we want to talk with you about it we had and i wrote the number in my notes but i think it's actually wrong i think it was 16 but we had between 13 and 16 people trust the lord and be baptized this past year it's like we we want to continue we want to continue to help people walk through what it looks like to be baptized to be saved and follow jesus in baptism baptism so I'm going to be at the back today. If you need to talk to me about anything, the altar will be open for you to come. Voice prayers for yourself, your family, this church. Um, but I'm going to be back at the back as we sing one more song. I'm going to pray, and we can respond however God leads. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity. God again, just to to do what we've just done. God to be able to open up your Word, God, and actually understand it. Like God to take these principles that uh, God. It seems like this story from a long time ago. God, is, uh, but but God. There's principles there, and your spirit helps us discern those and understand those. And God, I pray that God, I can't. I mean, I do pray this prayer over all churches, but God, I pray it over this one big time. That God would take seriously the things we just talked about. Um, God, that it would it would be something that that we write on our mirrors at home, God, that we that we put in our in our cars, that we pray with fervor and passion. Because, God, it's so easy to just coast and and show up for church and check the box and go home. But, God, for us to leave a lasting impact in our community and around the world, it's going to take giving, sending, and planning. God, if every church in North Alabama is on the wrong path and, and chooses not to do this, God, I don't care. You help us do it. God, help us to be double obedient for those churches that choose to be not obedient. God, these are big prayers, but we lay them at a big God's feet. And we trust that you'll act and you'll move and you'll call and you'll send and you'll plant. God, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. God, let us stand and sing.